0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. There is much to get to. We'll start with the Devils being gone, bounced in overtime by the Hurricanes 3-2. Jesper Fast gets the game-winning goal on the power play. Hurricanes win the series four games to one, advance to the conference final for the first time since 2019. Now, I know a lot of Ranger fans... Could would hook up with the with the the Carolina, considering the fact that you got Fost on the team, you got Shea on the team, you got Stepan on the team, so maybe you can feel a little good about that. But like a lot of conversation around boy, should the Rangers have held on to Jesper Fost. I know Larry Brooks tweeted that out last night. They didn't want to give him a third year. They offered him two. He ended up leaving. Boy, that is a kind of player they miss, right? Because Foss can play on any line. He can play in any position. He just seems to be very clutch. I, I look at him as a Barkley Goudreau. They could do a little bit more uh, as far as uh, producing offense is concerned. But uh, that was like a topic of conversation after he scored the game-winning goal. But you know, the big conversation was how the Hurricanes won the game, and they deserved it. They were the better team in the series. But you know, people up in arms on the delay of game. This always comes up when it happens in overtime. They instituted the delay game penalty right after the lockout. It used to be if a goaltender threw the puck over the glass, it was a delay game, but now they do it with players in the offensive zone. And I didn't really think much of it because it clearly was a penalty, and I really didn't think about it much when it happened, and then, you know, Carolina scores and the the series is over, but I got a text from Pete Stomkowski, you know, former Leaf, former Red Wing, of course, former Ranger, and I do the games with him on occasion. And he texted me this morning when I woke up. Devil fans should be pissed off. Delay of game, power play, winning goal, elimination game. Bad rule. It should be the referee's discretion. Puck over the glass. Come on. Devils have cap room. Timo Meyer, $9 million per year. Yes, enjoy your summer. Okay, that was a little bit more than I wanted to give. But still, uh, it, it's interesting. And of course, this goes back, and, and Lindy Ruff brought it up in 2000, what happened in 2006 to the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres should have won the Stanley Cup. No offense to Carolina in 2006. They were the better team. Lost game seven. They were shorthanded a defenseman or two because of injury. Campbell throws the puck over the glass on a penalty kill. And then Brendan Moore scores in overtime. Carolina goes to the Stanley Cup final and beats Edmonton in seven games. It's a rule. All right? And it's a good rule because you don't want to see – the game be stopped in a way to kind of lamely get away with um, alleviating pressure by throwing the puck out of play. And I, I've had this conversation with E.J. Raddick on NHL Live when they instituted the rule, and certainly talked about it in 2006 when it cost the Sabers. Hey, you're an NHL player; you should be able to control where the puck goes. And he believes that when a when a um, a player, usually a defenseman, but when any player throws the puck over the glass, he meant to do it because these guys are in such control of what they can do. They're the best of the best. But I understand what Pete Stemkowski's saying, too, because on that play, Siegenthaler wasn't trying to alleviate pressure. He was like five feet from the blue line. I just think the puck turned up on him. He went to to clear it. It flipped up in the air and went out of play. I don't think he was alleviating pressure. He was really under no pressure. So if it was up to the discretion of the official, I guess you could say, well, I don't think he really was trying to alleviate pressure, just made a mistake, uh, let's have an offensive draw and, and do it that way. Here's the problem with that. And we see it with goaltender interference all the time. It's always going to be in the eye of the beholder. So now you're going to see the puck go over the glass, and it's already difficult to determine whether it deflected over somebody else's stick, when it went off the glass. There's always that conversation. They get it wrong all the time. And now you want to add an extra layer of, well, the officials believe that it should be a penalty or not. Boy, that is going to cause a major, major discussion. Um, do you want to maybe do it where it's underneath the dots when you do it? Um, maybe you can do it that way. Uh, I just think that uh, you leave it alone. It just it is what it is. It happened. You could still kill the penalty. The Devils came close. They Carolina scored with under 30 seconds to play. Uh, on that power play, um, it, it happens. And you know what? They really can't complain too much. They lost the series four games to one. Up 2 1 in the second period, Timo Meyer had a yawning net. First of all, I don't know why Hughes passed it to Meyer. He should have taken the shot, but nobody would be complaining about it if Meyer just finished. It then becomes 3 1, and it you know changes the complexion of the game. Even with the Burns goal with 38 seconds to go in the second, the Devils go into the third period with a lead. And, you know, the fallacy with the predetermined outcome, there were no goals in the third that the Devils would have held on one and we'd have a game six at four o'clock at the Rock on Saturday. But, hey, if if some butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a wonderful Christmas. Didn't happen. So I just thought it was an interesting debate by Pete. I figured I'd bring it up. I'm sure Devil fans would agree that it's a bogus rule. I think it's something that should stay. If you want to change anything, honestly, um, I always thought, why the automatic icing? You know, icing is kind of the same as throwing the puck over the glass you're trying to alleviate the pressure that you're under by the by the team with the puck by the by the team that's the aggressor the offensive team so to speak um but when you see uh, a a defenseman try a home run pass and just miss the forward and it's an icing, he wasn't alleviating pressure, he was just trying to create an offensive opportunity. I wish in those situations they'd wave off the icing because you want to see more goals, you want to see more offense. When you see clearly the icing comes because a team is desperate to clear the zone because they're under pressure or they're exhausted or whatever um, and hoping to get a clear that doesn't make it to the line so they can make a change, that's a different story. But when you're trying to create offense, I don't think it should be an icing. But still, these are topics for another day. I do think there should be a video replay element to the delay of game because it, it, they screw it up so many times. But, hey, that's the letter of the law. That's how it happens. Devils lose. Carolina moves on and waits. The Leafs and the Panthers. Leafs stayed alive with an impressive 2-1 victory. I say impressive because they were facing elimination. They felt pressure uh, in a 2-1 game with about three minutes left to play. and They found a way to win and survive and now just win a home game and maybe you put some pressure on Carolina uh, on uh, Florida for a game six but it does seem like we're gonna have a Panther Hurricanes Eastern Conference final it's just inevitable we'll find out tonight uh, whether the Leafs can kind of stay alive um, so congratulations to Carolina first time since 2019 I believe when I look at all the teams that are left, They've been the most impressive team. They they made pretty much short work of the Islanders. They were up 3-1 in that series. Islanders did force a game six, but Hurricanes were never really in trouble. They've had easily the best kill in the playoffs, made short work of the Devils as well. That's not to take anything away from any of the other teams, but it is what it is, right? I mean, the Panthers had to go seven in the first round, as impressive as they've been in the um. In the second round, Seattle had to go seven. You know, Dallas was impressive uh, in in their first round, but not nearly as impressive as I think as Carolina was uh, in the first two rounds. So I think Carolina deserves to be here. And if you ask me, I think they've been the best team through the first two rounds, and we'll see how that shakes itself out. Um, uh, The other game last night stars with a five to two win over the Kraken. It seems like who's going to blow out who. And it was the Stars. This game was two nothing before the Devil Hurricane game was over. They were putting the the bug up in the top right of the screen, giving you an update on the bottom of the screen. They were telling you that True TV had uh, the Kraken and the Stars game five. Um, but uh, on the top, they were giving you the score, and it just seemed like bang! All of a sudden, it was one nothing, two nothing, and they end up winning the game by the final score of five to two. Twenty one shots on goal. You know the Kraken; they've gotten pretty decent goaltending. Uh, in these playoffs for sure but you got to be able to do a better job you can't allow four goals on 20 shots that's basically what Grubauer gave up in the game but Seattle has shown a tremendous resiliency would not be surprised if they won on Saturday and forced a game seven back in Dallas I I would not be surprised by that at all this is the game misconduct podcast with Don McGregor now, the other series, Golden Knights and the Oilers, tied it to, boy, I, I, no offense to Vegas, you, you want to see Edmonton. I mean, it's just so much fun watching Sidle, who, by the way, hasn't scored in a couple of games, and McDavid and everything that's going on there. But the controversy around this series, Nurse gets a game he's not going to play tonight suspended for instigating a fight final five minutes. It's a, it's a rule that doesn't come up a lot, but it does exist and so he gets the automatic one-game suspension. Okay, but then Petrangelo gets one game for the two-handed slash on Dreisaitl late in the game four, and he gets a game. So you can understand the impropriety. Like, wait a minute. Nurse instigates a fight, final five minutes, automatic one game, and then you see what Petrangelo did, and he only gets a game? But you wouldn't blink if Petrangelo got a game if Nurse didn't, it didn't get suspended for instigating the fight, it, you wouldn't be out of sight, out of mind, right? But it just seems like there's an inequity there that Nurse just did something with kind of a technicality, gets one game, and Petrangelo only gets a game? He should get more, but I, I don't know how you work around that because, again, I don't think you'd blink at Petrangelo getting a game if Nurse didn't get suspended. And, boy, you're really affecting the series 2-2, and their the best defenseman would be gone for games 5 and 6. But it was heinous. I mean, it was a two-handed slap, uh, or a slash to one of the best players in the NHL late in a game that was already decided. So I can understand, if you're an Oiler fan, pretty disappointed that there was only a one-game suspension there. Now, before we get to your tweets, um, tremendous reaction that I got from a lot of Ranger fans on my just mere speculation about the possibility of uh, alexei lafreniere getting traded now i was not misquoted i said what i said but i think some people like took it too far you got to trade him for a fourth liner you know what are you gonna i'm not advocating for him to be traded all i meant to say and all i think i said was that in my opinion i am not going to get caught up in the fact that he was a first overall pick and keep him if i feel like there's an offer out there that's acceptable if I don't believe, if, if I'm Chris Drury and I'm looking at this player, can he become a top six forward? And if the answer is no, then that's, that's going to determine, A, how much I'm going to give him, and B, if I'm going to give him anything at all. You're, you're up against it with the cap. You're going to have to make some very difficult decisions. Maybe there's a team out there that can let him develop into the player they think he can be. There's no development with the Rangers. You're a win-now team. And I know it's been tough for Lafreniere. He had no training camp his first year because of the pandemic. You had the um, the wacky kind of season with the 56 games and all that, so he didn't have a full season his first year. You know, his second year was good, and his third year was better. So I can understand that you're thinking maybe he's starting to progress a little bit here to where he could become a player, but. I would just say I'd listen. I'd hear what has to. You got some tough decisions. You're gonna have to let like, go, like like the Bushnevich situation. This is the analogy I used back on Monday. Is that you didn't want to get rid of Bushnevich? It made no sense to trade Bushnevich for for um, um, to St. Louis the way that you did, but you had to because you couldn't afford to pay him because you were up against the cap. You have to make these difficult decisions. And for all the people that say, "Oh well, just trade Panarin." Well, he's got a no movement clause. You're really kind of stuck. So I understand fans don't want to do certain things, but I'm telling you to alleviate any, any cap space, you can say, well, it's only 1.5 million. Any space is space, right? That you're going to have to make some very, very difficult decisions. And I don't think it would be Lafreniere for, for nothing. You're going to probably have to maybe a package deal. I don't want to give a rid to Kako. I think there's something there. I'm not really seeing it on a consistent basis from Lafreniere. And listen, I watched every one of his games he's ever played. You know, and he had that move that was that goal against Detroit. Like he's shown moments, but and and, I, and maybe he can grow into the star player, but I just I just think you have to kinda think about it. Some very difficult decisions are gonna have to be made here. And I'm sure whatever move you make, you're gonna be like, Really? That doesn't seem like a fair we didn't seem to get what we should back, but it's it's alleviating that space, trying to trying to build a team here. You know, I don't know who's gonna be the coach. There really hasn't been any talk whatsoever. But we'll see. The other thing, as of this recording, you know, kind of stay local a little bit. Just not much conversation coming out of the Islanders. Is anything going to happen there? You know, what's Lou's future? Is there going to be a change with, with with Lambert? It kind of feels stale with the Islanders. Kind of feels like been there, done that with this group. Now you change the coach, I get that. But is there any kind of conversation to? I wouldn't say blow it up, but just kind of change direction. It'll, it'll be interesting to see with a lot of these teams during the course of the off season. Well, let's Friday, and we've already gotten one team to the conference final. We could have um, a couple of more, obviously, before the weekend is out. Let's hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game is Don L. Weaver says, hi, Don. So the last team from the tri-state area just got eliminated last night. Do you think the Devils need a new coach? And also, the Islanders need a new coach as well. Also, who do you think would be the best landing spot coach for the Rangers? I don't think Lindy Ruff's in any kind of trouble. I think he's going to win the Jack Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year. Um, I I don't think they're going to be making any changes. Yeah, it was disappointing the way that they went out, but you know what? It's a young team. It's the youngest team in the playoffs. I think they showed a lot of resiliency in that Rangers series. Um, They lost to a better team. They just did. Uh, when you really look at the way things kind of broke down in the Metropolitan Division, it all went the way it should, right? The, the second-place team beat the third-place team. The first-place team beat the second-place team. It's kind of It kind of really justified the regular season when you think about it, even though expectations were a lot higher for the Rangers and Hurricanes than they were for the Devils. But I don't think Lindy Ruff is going anywhere. As far as who's going to be the next Ranger coach, the speculation seems to be keep an eye on what's happening with Toronto. If they make a tra- if they make some sort of a move and blow that up and Dumas gets gone and there's a lot of speculation that he'll go and become the general manager of the Penguins and he may fire Mike Sullivan in a similar fashion to when Dolan fired Davidson and Gorton with the Rangers. If you remember, David Quinn was not let go in that first purge. When Chris Drury was named the general manager, he then let go of Quinn and they hired Gallant. Maybe a similar situation in Pittsburgh. Where they've made the moves, and now the new general manager will let go of Sullivan. If Mike Sullivan becomes available, they'd be nuts not to hire him, in my opinion. I mean, he's been here before. He was an assistant under John Tortorella, won a couple of cups in Pittsburgh. I think he's a terrific coach. He's exactly what they need, tons of experience. He would be my front runner if he became available. Let's go to D he says, What do you think uh, happens with Brat and Timo in New Jersey? Would you sign both long-term, which is the priority? Well, it's tough to say which the priority is, but considering you gave up assets to bring in Timo Meyer, he's probably the priority. I'd like to keep both. I think they have the cap space to make it happen. Everybody that I talked to during the ranger Devil series around the Devils feel like at the time of the deal with San Jose that they were going to get something done with Timo, that this was going to be more than just a rental. So it feels like both will be back. If not, then at least it'll be Meyer. They'll be back. Boy, I'd love to be able to see them keep both. Steve Rosinski, friend of the show. How should the Ranger fans feel about how Fost has played for the Hurricanes? He was one of my favorite players. Wish the Rangers had kept him. You know, a lot of people do as well um listen i think you got to feel great for the guy i mean i i really think he was a jack of all trades when he was with the rangers he killed penalties that they needed him on the power play played multiple wing positions it was really tough to see him let get let go and larry brooks thing is boy they give out seven eight-year contracts like candy they just couldn't give the extra year to Fost. but that was the old regime and and maybe one of the reasons that they're gone but it probably does hurt to see Fost excelling but um, maybe more of a – I'd have to ask you, Steve. We don't have the dialogue like we would a phone call, but wonder how Ranger fans feel about Carolina. Will you root for them, kind of like the way you, maybe you did in Tampa when you had, you know, uh, um, strawman and, and McDonough and Girardi on the team? Adam says, going forward, how do the Devils close the gap between them and the Hurricanes as well as the rest of – the best teams in the league. Also, it's been a pleasure tweeting at you all season long. Donnie Pucks, enjoy your summer. Oh, thank you, Adam. The gap's just going to get closed as the team gains experience. I mean, the, the one thing you can look at if you're a Devil fan by these games that you played is that you played them. And now you've got those under your belt. There were so many guys who have never played in the postseason before. He, she, or only had the five games from back in 2018. Hughes had no experience. Mercer, no experience. Um, there was just so many guys that just never been in this situation before, Brad. Um, I, I guess a handful of games, but you know now they got the experience of what the, a rivalry with the Rangers is like, having to you know come back and win games down in a series, and and all the things that kind of go into this experience. I'm a big believer that sometimes you've got to lose to win. You've got to gain that experience of what it's like, and if you're a Devil fan, Adam, you remember. You know, losing in 94 to the Rangers hurt like hell, but I think it really opened the door for them to win those three Stanley Cups the next eight years because they learned the lesson of what happened. You know, they got bounced early in 93 by Pittsburgh in the first round. They got rid of... They got rid of Brooks, and then they brought in Jacques Lemaire, but they they learned in 94. One had another lesson not making the playoffs in 96, and then more lessons in 97, 98, 99 when they were great regular seasons but not being able to do much in the postseason, only winning one series in those three years. And the next thing you know, they win a cup, go to a Stanley Cup final one, win, win another cup in 03. All that came from, I think, the experiences of losing. So if you want to close the gap, the gap's going to get closed by by getting that experience. The Rangers were way more experienced. The Hurricanes were way more experienced. Now you're going to go into next year with a ton more. I think Hughes can be better. I think Heeshier could be better. The one thing I'd like to see is maybe address the goaltending. Is Schmid for real? I really thought he played well last night, considering how in, in flux the goaltending was. I mean, there was speculation that they were going to start Mackenzie Blackwood last night. That's how um, dysfunctional the goaltending was. Will they go after a goaltender? Will they? Will, is Schmid the next Sean Burke for this team, or Martin Brodeur for this team? I don't know, but as far as the gap being closed, I think a lot of that can just be the fact that they gained that experience. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor. Seven says, "Can the Kraken pull off the comeback? Why not? I mean, they've been in this series; they haven't blinked." Um uh, they they um they gained the, they they played a game seven. You know, they bounced back after losing game six against Colorado and they had a chance to close the Avalanche out, and everybody just assumed that the Avalanche were gonna win game seven at home. Didn't happen. Now this is a really good Dallas team, so I'm not gonna say I'm gonna expect Seattle to win this series, but you know what? I have a really good feeling they're gonna win tonight. And then you get to a game seven and who the heck knows. Sean says game ex conduct to spice up the draft and lottery. They should be held the same night. Batman Binder hashtag Batman Binder. I like that because we're gonna have that binder that uh, hopefully one day me and Anthony will be able to storm into the NHL offices with all our ideas to improve the league. I think the Devils might be the team to beat in the East next year. The playoff experience for a young and fast team can be a dangerous thing. It's interesting, you know, have it the same. Can you imagine? Now, kind of feels like it's unfair. But, you know, because you want to do the prep, but, you know, you do the prep, right? You never know what's going to happen beyond the first pick. Well, I I don't know if general managers would like it, but from a fan standpoint, I think that'd be fascinating going into the draft not knowing who's going to have the first overall pick. It would be kind of crazy. Sir Harvey Cruz is back. How would you personally improve the Devils next season? Who would you keep, let go, and who's your goalie next season? Would you have to search in free agency? You know, I guess Connor Hullabuck is somebody that's available. I'd have to really crunch the numbers on who might be a who might be available and all that. But I, I, I in my heart, I believe they need a goaltending change. I mean, I know Vanacek was was, was really good, um, thirty three wins during the course of the regular season, but boy, was he bad. You know, Smith is gonna be gone, you're gonna make some moves, I think, blue line wise. But I, I really do think Harvey, this team is pretty set. I I personally would look for a goaltender. I would. I, I don't know how the organization feels about Schmid. I know he was one of the seven that played last year. He was one of the, what, four that played this year. Um, he had his moments, but then there were other moments where he didn't look very good at all. I think Vanacek was awful. Even in the one game he won, he gave up four goals, including three shorthanded. I know one came on a penalty shot, but I think I'd try to improve the goaltending easier said than done for sure. Jimmy Berger says, what do you think makes the playoffs in hockey such a toss-up unlike other sports? It truly seems year after year like anybody can beat anybody, which I love because it makes it more exciting. Uh, but what do you think is the reason for it? Well, you look at baseball. Like Baseball is very similar, right? You look at the Philadelphia Phillies went to the World Series last year. You saw the Braves and the Nationals be awful at the All-Star break, turn it around and win championships. I've always felt that sports that are low-scoring there's a, there's more of a chance it upsets, right? Like in football and basketball, when there's a lot of scoring, a team can kind of oppose their will during the course of the game and it kind of stays the course. But in the NHL, upsets because there's not a lot of goals that are scored, so it's not that crazy. Hey, you win a game 2-1, you can lose a game just as easily 2-1. That's probably the answer. Plus, there's a tremendous amount of parity in sports now. Even the NBA, which was always you can kind of predict – in November who is gonna be the two teams that would play in the NBA finals and, and now you don't know. I mean it really could be any, really anybody that's in the playoffs right now can feel like they can win. So I think with the salary cap and free agency, um I I think there's a lot more parity. There seems to be a lot more in the NHL. The surprises seem to happen all the time. Uh Harris says biggest surprise of the playoffs, biggest surprises of the playoffs well, I'm I, I'm surprised that we're having a conversation here deep into the second round that still involves the Seattle Kraken. Now, Anthony Pusick, our producer, predicted them to win the first-round series, but I, I've been impressed with Seattle. I think they've been terrific. So that's been um, a major surprise. Certainly Boston getting bounced in the first round by Florida. How Florida now has emerged, maybe outside of Carolina, as the team to beat. And i got to tell you, if you had told me when the playoffs started, that your Eastern Conference final would be Carolina and Florida, and you would call it a toss-up? You would think it's crazy, but if, Carol, if, if Florida wins this series, and, and listen, they've got three more kicks at the can to do it, I'm not 100% sure that I'm picking Carolina. Not really that. Journey. You know what? Memo to Florida. Probably a good idea. You know, finish off Toronto tonight so that you kind of go into that series with key, equal rest and not have to play a little deeper. But that's surprising to me that a team that was an eight seed that barely got into the playoffs has now become one of the cup favorites. So I, I think those are uh, some of the surprises that kind of popped into my head uh, during the course of these playoffs, well, it was a lot of fun. Thanks to Ray Deanahan filling in for Anthony Pusick, who is not in today because of a wedding. So, great job by Ray. We'll have EJ hopefully on Monday to kind of go over the weekend, and maybe by then we might have the conference final set. Uh, we'll see. So that should be a lot of fun. Is it's uh, and it's an eclectic group. I mean, we talked about this back on Wednesday that I don't get caught up in. Oh my God, uh, they're going to be flipping out in the NHL offices if it's Carolina against Florida and it's gonna be you know seattle um going up against edmonton listen it's fun if you're a hockey fan you're having fun and there's still stars and there's still great stories seattle's a great story dallas has been there and done that so i don't think it'd be that disappointing plus dallas is a top 10 television market um you could look at uh edmonton with the star power that they have vegas a lot of the same players that went to the stanley cup final a few years ago and that's a pretty good story too and i think the panthers in carolina you know, Carolina, say what you want, but they've knocked on the door for a while now, and I'm not sitting here and telling you they've got household names on their team. They do not, but Carolina's been a really good story for a long time, and Rod Brindamore has had this team kind of primed and ready for a while, and they've kind of been a little bit of a disappointment, um, but for them to be back, and Florida's a great story as well with some really good firepower, uh, you know, and Kachuk and, and Barkoff, so... The average person may not care, but we hockey fans will have a ball with it. There's no question about it. We'll be back with you again on Monday. Hopefully, we'll be able to touch, get in touch with EJ Raddick. You want to talk to me during the course of the weekend at Don LaGreca. Hashtag Game Misconducts. the way to do that. Enjoy all the hockey. Enjoy Mother's Day. To all the mothers out there, enjoy. We'll talk to you again then on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.